Good morning. Welcome once again to joining us for our online service this Sunday. Although I cannot see any of you this morning, but based on the previous online numbers, I know many of you are participating in today's service and we are connected together as a church once again. Praise the Lord. Like many of you, I would have never been able to imagine how the world has evolved so quickly and significantly as a result of the COVID-19 situation. Many things have indeed changed for us in our country, our work, our families, our personal lifestyle, and also in how the church is operating. But we know that even if everything changes, one person will never change. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love and promises to us will also never change. And in this, we can continue to find our hope, our confidence, and our anchor. Amen. For some of you who may not know me, my name is Louis. I am one of the many church members who are serving in the church, and I'm honored to be able to bring to you God's word this morning. As I bring to you the word of God this morning, I trust that our pastors are also watching online and attending their own church services. And so I want to thank the pastors for the opportunity to share God's word with the church this morning. As I begin, I would also want to encourage all of us, although we are not able to meet physically as a church in this season, it makes it even more important now that we make effort and time to be connected together as a church in worship, in prayer, in listening to God's word, in ministry and more. Perhaps that's why Jesus says that where two or three are gathered in his name, he will be there with them. Notice that Jesus did not specifically say how we are going to be gathered. Although in our minds we can understand gathered as a physical gathering, but if we stretch our understanding of gathered slightly as the act of being connected, then it really does not matter where we are gathered physically or online. As long as we come together and connect as a church, we are gathering in His name. We can be sure that God's promise is that God will be there with us wherever we are physically. And it's amazing that only God can make that kind of promise because only He can do that. One person in many places at the same time. Being present in every one of our homes as we gather together for service this morning in His name. Amen. Let us look at our scripture text for this morning. It is from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. If you are taking notes, the title of today's sermon is From Knowing to Being. Well, I always wanted to try this in case you missed the title. You can also see the title of the sermon at the bottom of your screen right now. Hope it works. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 8, and in the NKJV version. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, 
to everyone who is among you not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body of Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for gathering us all here this morning. That though we cannot be physically gathered, we can still be connected through online means. And we want to thank you for this time and we pray that let your word speak to our hearts and let your word come and change us so that we may live our lives in a more pleasing manner unto your name. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For some of us who may be joining our service for the first time or reconnecting with us after some time, our church is currently preaching through a sermon series on the book of Romans, and we have been doing so since the beginning of the year. COVID or no COVID, come what may, we are preaching on. And so today, as we have just read the scripture, we will be reflecting on Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. In the past few months, we have heard sermons along the themes of righteousness, justification, faith, and most recently on election. Today, as we stand at Romans chapter 12, we stand with most biblical scholars who agree that Romans 12 marks a significant turning point for Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Prior to this, Paul was teaching and laying the foundations of the Christian faith by expounding on his theological views, like how the just shall live by faith, how the unrighteous will be punished by God, and what it means to be dead to sin, and how we are freed from the law, and so forth. Like what we have heard from the sermons in the past months. And today in Romans 12, Paul is moving on big time. If we have been following the Romans series closely, we will see today that Paul is moving on from 11 solid chapters of theological exposition to what the church can do as a result of knowing all this. It is kind of Paul moving from a whole load of head knowledge, which is foundational and important for us to be rooted in the faith, to a whole new phase of what we can or should do about it after knowing all this. Moving from theory to practical. For those of us who have driving licenses, I'm not sure if you can still remember the day when you took your first driving test. I can still remember the day when I took my first driving test. It was quite a nerve-wracking experience actually, because for the first time, I don't have my ever-nurturing, encouraging driving instructor beside me. 
and I have to remember everything that I've learned from all the theory lessons and from all the driving circuit exercises and put them all into practice in this one driving test. From the pre-drive checks like the seat belt check, the side mirror check, the rear mirror check, to safety precautions during driving like maintaining safe distance, stopping before the white line, to parking procedures like looking out for pedestrians or parking in between the two cones. I mean, putting all that I have learned in the head for the past few months into one practical test. Not sure about you, but certainly for me, it was like one major transition from all the knowing to the doing. And this is what was like when Paul moves from pre-Romans 12 into Romans 12 today. Paul is doing a major transition from 11 chapters of all that the church needs to know to all that the church needs to be. As a side trivia, although I was previously working in traffic police, embarrassed to say I did not pass my driving test at the first attempt. Any whole viewers want to guess how many demerit points I got for my first driving test? For the tech-savvy audience, I will give you 5 seconds to key your answers in the YouTube comments box. For the uninitiated, you have to score below 20 demerit points in order to pass the driving test. Okay, this, as this is a pre-recorded sermon, I am guessing that some of you will be guessing 20 plus demerit points that I have gotten. I hope that none of you guessed that I got more than 40 demerit points. Remember, I was from traffic police. Okay, ready? The answer? Zero! Not applicable! Because I committed one mistake that guaranteed immediate failure. I nearly got into an accident at my first driving test. It was such a close shame that my tester raised his voice and said, STOP! And for a moment I could see in his eyes that he thought that he was going to meet God that day. So at the end of the test, the tester didn't even have to bother to add up the demerit points on the test sheet. It was immediate failure and there goes my first attempt. If you are interested to know more details of my near accident, you can buy me coffee and I can tell you more after the circuit breaker measures are lifted. Let's move on. So again, Romans 12 is a major turning point in Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Moving from knowing all the knowledge in these 11 chapters about the Christian faith, Paul now tells us that with no uncertainty, what we need to do and how we need to be as a result. And that's why in Romans 12 verse 1, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In Paul's mind, it is clear that knowing about the Christian faith and doctrine alone is not good enough. Knowing is only half of being a full Christian. If we want to live a full Christian life, then apart from knowing about God, 
Apart from knowing the key tenets of the Christian faith, we need to move on to the other half into the doing and being of the Christian faith. And here I caveat that it is not that knowing the Christian faith is not important. It is definitely important to be rooted in sound and right doctrine. And I hope that my life has testified to this by me going to be trained in TTC. But what I'm saying is that we cannot stop at the knowing and not move into the being. If knowing alone is sufficient and full for the Christian faith, then Paul would have ended his letter to the Romans at the end of chapter 11. Instead, he used all the important theological knowledge that he had laid down in the past 11 chapters as a firm foundation to propel us into five more chapters of doing and being so that we may be complete as a Christian. So what about the being that Paul has called us to do? In Romans 1, 12, 1, which we have just read, Paul calls us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. For Paul, the first important overarching step to move from knowing to being a Christian, to put it in simple terms, is to dedicate our whole life to God. And that means to give to God everything that we have and to commit to God every aspect of our lives. It is to say, God, here I am. All that I am and all that I have is yours. That is what Paul meant by presenting our bodies as a sacrifice to God, to dedicate our whole life to Him. For the budding theological scholars watching online, it is important to note that in calling us to dedicate our whole life to God, Paul uses the terms present, present sorry, and sacrifice, which are familiar terms used in Old Testament worship. Hence, we see that Paul was superimposing the Old Testament imagery of worship and sacrifice when it comes to calling us to dedicate our lives to God. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel will make sacrifices of their livestock as offering unto God. The requirements of these animals are required to be without blemish and required to be offered in a certain way, taking certain steps so that the offering will be pleasing unto God. You can read all the details in the book of Leviticus. Because of this Old Testament imagery of worship and sacrifice, we can then also understand why Paul used the words holy and acceptable in the same breath when he talks about presenting our bodies as a sacrifice to God. The use of Old Testament imagery of worship and sacrifice tells us that when we dedicate our whole life to God like a sacrifice, we need to also dedicate our lives in a way that our lives are holy, that is to be clean and without sin, like how the Old Testament sacrifices that are without blemish, so that our lives will be, in a sense, be acceptable to Him, and God can use our lives for His glory. For those of us who are paying attention to detail, you will also notice 
that besides holy and acceptable, Paul also uses a third adjective to describe the sacrifice that our lives ought to be presented. And that is for us to present our lives as a living sacrifice. To the readers in Rome, Paul's description of a living sacrifice will immediately raise alarm bells. Because a living sacrifice is what we understand today in modern day term, a classic oxymoron. An oxymoron is a figure of speech containing words that seem to contradict each other totally. For example, whenever I scold my children, I will be met with a deafening silence. Or it is an open secret that Pastor Folks is the youngest pastor in our church. I guess the most classic oxymoron for me is my love-hate relationship or love-frustrated relationship with my three children. And this love-hate relationship has certainly deepened during the past four weeks of circuit breaker measures. I mean, I sometimes get really frustrated in the morning when they refuse to sit still and do their home-based learning, but I love them when they complete their home-based learning in the afternoon. I vomit blood when they refuse to peacefully go to bed at night. I love them when they are fast and sound asleep. And all the parents watching online with me say Amen. Amen. Any person in Rome will tell you that an animal that is presented as a sacrifice is as good as dead. So when Paul used the term living sacrifice, he was actually being really creative and skillful in his wordplay. Through the use of an oxymoron to draw the reader's attention that the Christian can be both living and dead at the same time. To understand this, we just need to go back a few chapters to Romans 6, where Paul talks about the believers to being dead to sin and alive to Christ and for the believers to offer themselves as sacrifice unto God as instruments of righteousness. Sounds familiar, isn't it? And similar to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So to sum up for the first point, to move from knowing to being, Paul encourages us to dedicate our whole life to God. Like how we present sacrifices to God in the Old Testament, we are to present our whole life as a sacrifice to Him. Dead to sin, alive to Christ, and that will mean to surrender every aspect of our lives to God, making a commitment to live our lives in a way that is holy and letting God work through in any way that pleases Him. Let's now move on to the second point. Romans 12, 2 tells us, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Point number two, to move from knowing to being, we need to continually renew our minds. Here Paul suggests that there are two systems which are concurrently at play as we live here on earth. 
One belongs to the world and its value system, and the other belongs to God, God's will. Both systems are opposing and at opposite ends of each other. So to move from knowing to being, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that we need to continually renew our minds so that we can discern what belongs to God's system and that we may follow it. The question then is how do we renew our minds? Well, there are many ways we can do it. We can attend Bible classes. We can spend time in prayer. We can have regular discipleship time with pastor. But personally for me, the most effective way to continually renew our mind is to spend regular time to read and reflect God's word every day. It doesn't have to be long every day. For me, this season of circuit breaker measures have given me a little more personal time at home and so I can spend about 30 minutes each day to read and reflect on God's word. The point is you give as much time as you can for each day and the more time you spend reading and reflecting on God's word, the more days you spend regularly on it, the more your mind will be renewed and better able to discern and walk in God's will every day. The key thing about renewing our minds is that it is a process. And if I may add from experience, it is a relatively long process. Paul does not put a time period in Romans 12 verse 2 like be transformed by the renewing of your mind for 14 days and then you find your minds totally renewed. No, he doesn't add a timestamp to it. Paul is not advocating a stay-home notice or a quarantine order for renewing of mind because he is fully aware that the renewing of our minds is a process that takes time before you see any results and it is likely a lifelong process. Most of you will know, or who have known me for at least a few years, will know that I've lost some weight over the past two years. And on this note, I want to commend our video team for their high standard of video shooting angle. A few weeks ago when I was leading worship and our services were online, I even had a text message from a friend who I've not met for a long time texting me to say that I've lost weight on the YouTube screen. Yes, praise the Lord for that. And it's amazing how extensive the reach of our online services can be. But I want to say that the journey of losing weight has certainly not been an overnight one. It was a long journey of exercising regularly reducing my food intake. It required a lot of discipline and patience, but slowly and surely my weight was reduced as long as I do not give up. And this is like renewing our minds. It is not an overnight renewal. It is not a 14-day stay-home or quarantine order for mind renewal, but it is a long journey of reading and reflecting on God's word and it will require discipline and patience. However, slowly and surely, our minds will be renewed if we do not give up. 
So point number two again, to move from knowing to being, we need to be continually renewed in our minds. And one of the effective ways we can do this is by reading and reflecting on the Word of God regularly and every day. The third and final point that I want to share about how we can move from knowing to being is that we need to step forward to serve God in the church. In our remaining scripture text for this morning, after Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, Paul then goes on to say in verse 3, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body of Christ and individually members of one another. And then Paul goes on in verse 6, verse six, 7 and 8 to encourage us that we have different gifts but to all step forward and serve in, uh, our gifts, in our gifts. In these few verses, Paul is using the analogy of the body to illustrate that all of us play different roles in the church depending on our various giftings. But we serve a common purpose and that together we form the body of Christ, which is the church. And the church is able to function effectively when all the parts play their roles and function together effectively. A story was told that all the organs of the body were having a meeting and all trying to decide who was the most important organ of the body. Side note, this was before they read Romans 12. I should be the most important, said the brain, because I run all the body systems, so without me, nothing will happen. I should be the most important, said the blood, because I circulate oxygen all over, so without me, all of you will not be able to survive. I should be the most important, said the stomach, because I process food and I give all of you energy. I shall be the most important, said the eyes, because I allow the body to see where it goes. I shall be the most important, said the rectum, because I'm responsible for waste removal. When Mr. Rectum said that, all the other body parts burst out laughing and insulted him. Mr. Rectum was angry at the insults thrown at him and he decided to go into circuit breaker plus mode. Full lockdown for him, he decided to stay at home and not function at all. Within a few days, Mr. Brain has a terrible headache and could not function properly. Mr. Blood was toxic. Mr. Stomach was bloated. Mr. Eyes got weary and could not see properly. And they all surrendered and apologized to Mr. Rector. I'm sure all of us have experienced before what it means to be constipated for a few days, right? It is unbearable. So the story tells us that it really is not about whose role is more prominent, who is more important, or who plays a bigger role. 
All of us are equally important, regardless of the roles we play. No matter how small or how big or how frontline or behind the scenes we are, all of us play an equally important role. Amen. All of us play an important role in the body of Christ. But knowing and agreeing with me alone is important, but not sufficient. To live a complete Christian life, we need to move from knowing to being, and we need to step forward to serve God in the church. I can also understand that for some of us watching online today, stepping forward to serve may not come naturally or easily. But I want to encourage us that instead of knowing the importance and not doing anything about it, why not consider moving towards serving in church today by taking small steps. For a start, you can email the church or drop me a text message to say that you are open to serving and perhaps to help us better follow up on your email and text, you can elaborate a little on your interests or skill sets. Most people won't get the right ministry fit at the first try, but we can always start with your passion, your interests and your skills and we can let God lead us from there. It starts with a small step. When my third child, Luther, was starting his primary one earlier this year, Lily and I thought that it would be easy and smooth sailing to settle him into primary one because we had no problem at all with our first and second child. But to our horror, Luther was super afraid to go to school and being away from mommy. It was a tremendous struggle for Lily and me to send him to school because he cried and refused to go into his classroom every morning. Honestly, I must admit I wasn't really taking Luther seriously and his crying on set I did not really uh, consider a bother. I thought that this boy was only acting and playing on our emotions. You know, the typical emotionally detached and task-oriented man approach. But what stunned me was during one of the early school days, besides crying in the morning, Luther even used the phone in the general office during recess to call Lily. And he said, Mommy, I'm very scared. I love you, Mommy. I cannot talk very long. I need to go already. Mommy, I'm very scared. When I heard the account from Lily, I thought, whoa, my boy, world-class acting. But on a more serious reflection that day, I thought that perhaps my boy was really scared of facing some difficulties in adapting to his primary one environment. So since that day when Luther caught Lily, I paid more attention and gave more encouragement to Luther when he attends school in the morning. Glad to say and thank God that today Luther has finally fully transited into his primary one environment and enjoying his school now. I share this because I want to encourage us that stepping forward to serve is sometimes like stepping into a new environment. Some of us adapt faster and better but some of us need more time to get used to the new environment and maybe even experience fear. 
But like entering into primary one, I'm sure all of us will agree that serving the church is something that is necessary and good for the Christian faith. Even if we face difficulties or fears at the onset, we should keep at it, knowing that it is a matter of time before we ease into the new environment and then start to enjoy and grow in our faith as we serve God in the church. So let us hit Paul's call to move from knowing to being. Let us step forward to serve God in the church. So as I close, let me summarize for us the main points. We understand from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 8 this morning, that while it is important to be rooted in good theological foundations as what Paul has sought to teach us in the first 11 chapters of Romans, it is not sufficient if we want to live a full Christian life. To live a full Christian life, we need to move from just knowing, not just knowing, but into being as well. And we can do this by, number one, dedicating our whole life to God, committing every aspect of our life to Him, and with everything that we have, we give unto Him. Number two, we continually renew our minds by reading and reflecting on God's Word daily. And number three, we step forward to serve God in the church by making ourselves available and taking small steps. Drawing us back to Romans 12 verse 1 where we first started this morning, even as Paul challenges us to move from knowing to being, he also reminds us that the reason for us to do so in the first place is because of God's love and mercy. And we can see this in the first half of the verse where Paul says, By the mercies of God, we present our bodies. So while knowing is half of the important part, and being is the other half of the important part, we are reminded that we can only do this because of the mercy God has shown us. Family and friends, if not for God's mercy and grace, and love, none of us will be able to stand here this morning. And because God has shown us such great mercy and grace and love, let us join Paul in his call to encourage the people around us, including our own selves, to present our bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is our reasonable service, that we continually renew our minds so that we can live according to God's will and also for us to step forward to serve God in the church in this season and always. Let us pray. As we take a few moments to let the Word of God sing in our hearts, I just ask that we can also take a few moments to let God speak to us. And I invite us to respond to His Word. If there's any of us who are far away from Him, let us draw close to Him. And if there's any of us who are in the church already, I pray that today's word will draw us even closer to Him, to help us to step forward to serve Him, to allow God's word to renew our minds. So Heavenly Father, we want to thank You for Your word. And we ask that Lord, 
you will use your word this morning that we have heard to come and move us from knowing to being and move us, O Lord, to dedicate our lives to you, to be committed to read your word and renew our minds. And we have, if we have not been serving yet, Lord, in the church, help us to take small steps to serve you in your church. And we want to thank you, Lord, for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.